0: State your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly.
1: He faces the floor. They'll let Cheatham throw it in over the defense to Burke. Burke to the goal.
2: Dunks it, got it. Thunder dunk and one an Exclamation point. Pump the brakes. The Huskers are up 72 to 66. What a great play on the inbounds pass, 94
3: feet away. Put that dude on a poster.
0: Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Nate war We're going to be
3: all gas, no brakes for 34 minutes. That's right. We, we aren't even touching the brakes, let alone pumping them.
4: <laughs> no. Um, you've almost survived, everybody out there, the... Uh, the Greg Sharp vacation. Uh, from what I understand, he will be back tomorrow. Can't confirm or uh, deny that fact. I guess we'll find out tomorrow if he is here. But just one short show left of Greg, or excuse me, Nate and I before Greg makes his return. It's been a heck of a run
3: yeah we 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 have redefined the sports talk radio genre in the state of Nebraska. no question it's been great um well,
4: although it is just a really really short show tonight phone lines are still open for you and we're we're gonna cram as much in here as we can. We've got uh, coming up here in just about ten minutes or so. Matt Coatney, who will be on the call for Nebraska women's basketball tonight over at Pinnacle Bank Arena. The Huskers will lock horns with the Badgers of Wisconsin here. In about an hour or so from now, over at PBA. So, look forward to talking to Coach about the matchup here tonight. And, Nate, you were over at softball today. Husker softball began practice today. So, members of the media uh, meeting with head coach Ronda Ravel and a couple of the players today. So, uh, you had a conversation with Coach Ravel a little earlier. We'll hear that uh, conversation before we hang up tonight as well so uh, obviously phone lines are still open for you uh, for a short time at 866 husker one 866 the number to our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline bringing you more choices in brands locations and service experience the difference purchase with confidence this is Woodhouse how fun is the egg bowl going to be next year <laughs> when Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach meet at midfield <laughs> for oh one of the mo- for the most coveted award that there is to have in uh, in that state.
3: Yeah, that that's gonna be a fun rivalry. Not that that rivalry ever needs much juice, just to, because of the animosity the two fan bases have for each other. And then you have the the lifting his leg to to uh, cost them a shot at a normal point after which cost them a shot at overtime and now both coaches get fired and you have two of the most flamboyant uh out there coaches in all of college football yeah next thanksgiving i know what i'm going to be doing (laughs) and i'm going to be watching that game i don't care what family are hanging around
4: i am i am more than cool with getting uh Mike Leach thrown into the Southeastern Conference. It, let's get weird. Let, yeah. let's just let's see what this can do to that league.
3: I mean, right now in the SEC West, you've got Ed Orgeron and LSU, and of course you've got Alabama. Auburn's there, but you know the Gus Malzahn thing. It always feels like he's a couple bad weeks away from getting whacked there bottom half of that division, I mean, I guess you got Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher trying to rebuild, but it's not – that division is not near as deep as it used to be, but after the two Mississippi coaching moves, it might have gotten deeper again. But we'll see. I mean, can Mike Leach's offensive system work in that league where there are athletes everywhere, not just on offense? that'll that'll be the big test. I mean, he's been able to make it work and you know, Starkville fits sort of the profile and Mississippi State fits sort of the profile the, the stepchild program in the state and you're probably not getting as good of kids as as, as even the in-state rival let alone the rest of the conference, or the rest of your division. So this all fits but how will he work down there? I am so jacked to
4: see how this system is going to do in that league. Yeah. I mean, just for f- pure curiosity's sake, uh, I think I think he's going to be able to recruit to it pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quarterback play is going to be interesting because you know so many of the of the quarterbacks in that league are great scrambling quarterbacks or you know very system particular quarterbacks. But we haven't really had this air raid chuck it sixty time a game type guy in the SEC, so this is going to be really interesting to see how this style works against all those athletes on the defensive side of the ball.
3: Well, you say this style hasn't been in the SEC, and it hasn't for a while, but remember... My, one of Mike Leach's big mentors was Hal Mummy. Yep. who who's the coach at Kentucky for a time. And he had Tim Couch and Jared Lorenzen, but you know, Hal Mummy's not been at Kentucky for a while. So it's been and a And the while. game's
4: changed quite oh, a bit. Oh yeah.
3: No doubt about it. The the whole profile of the SEC has changed in that time. So it's been a while since somebody has rolled into this league trying to do what Mike Leach is gonna do you know let's see if he can do it and that's just from an X's and O's perspective you know what about recruiting players gaining the traction publicly the war of words that'll inevitably happen between him and Lane Kiffin I mean there are so many different ways where this could be really entertaining
4: no question about it let's uh, let's head out to Grand Island for our first call tonight and talk to Greg hey Greg what's up
1: Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. Sure. It's just a good day to – a little piece of me is now a Mississippi State fan. because so That's <laughs> going to be the most entertaining thing in college football for a while, as far as I can see, at least until we get rolling again. But uh, one thing real quick, have you guys uh, had a chance to read that Atlantic article with Leach about Leach and about interviewing the quarterbacks?
4: I have not. What did it entail?
1: It just came out. Uh, it's, it's, it interviews each of the quarterbacks, and they talk – about the quarterback room, and they talk about his legendary stories. Just, I highly encourage you guys to to figure out a way to read that. You kind of have to have a subscription or or know a place to find it, but it's one of the best reads I've read in a long time. You'll literally will be just roll and laugh, and it's that good. <laughs> so, highly highly uh, recommend you guys track that article down.
4: Sure, Greg. While well I have you, that. and we're on the subject, did you happen to see the uh, the HBO thing, the all access where with him following around at Washington State?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 great TV, and and the fact that he's going to be down there with Kiffin and with Saban and those guys is going to be awesome. I can't wait for football.
4: Yeah, it's going to be fun. Greg, appreciate it, man. Thanks for calling in. <laughs> Greg from Grand Island uh, chiming in, man. Anything anything Mike Leach does or says has my attention. Let's go out to Seward and talk to Tim. Hey, Tim, what's up, man?
2: Um, not much, guys. Hey, do you think that Mike Leach is going to have to change his uh, personality? um i know that's that's his selling point and I, and i know it's it's all fun and it's enjoyable to listen to but you know to me personally when i sit there and listen to his comments post game or how he gets he gets asked questions and his response you know 90% of it has nothing to do with football yeah. and the sec i'm going to defend the big 10 because you know big 10 is a power conference but the sec is the heart and soul of college football so for him to make these comments about you know the players and their fat little girlfriends and stuff, I don't see how the fans at Mississippi State are going to tolerate that past two to three years. You know until he starts putting a winning program on that field. And yeah, he may pull off the upset every now and then. They had six wins this year. You know he may match that, but you know he's a six hundred win, sixty uh, percent winning coach. You know, but I I just don't see you know how it's going to last. You know, I guess maybe in Nebraska we just take football more serious, and we sure as heck wouldn't tolerate that type of coach. So do you guys think he's going to change his personality, or do you just think he's going to keep being Mike Leach? Um, It didn't last at Texas Tech. I know Craig James kind of ran him out of there, but there's a reason Washington State got tired of him. I don't see it lasting in Mississippi State past at least three years. Thanks, guys
4: thanks tim appreciate it it's a good point and and i could i could tell you he's not going to change for nobody no i mean (laughs) you better you've been around or followed college football long enough to know mike leach you know that dude is that dude he he marches to the beat of his own drum he he might be have his own drum that he's marching into starkville i mean he's going to do his thing and i don't know how it's going to play with the fans i really don't well as long as
3: he wins he'll be fine and and you know it to stabilize that Mississippi State program. Joe Moorhead, I think, is a good football coach, but he wasn't really a fit down there. Uh, I I think they'll give Leach some rope, and if he gets them to the consistent nine wins, ten wins, like he did at at Texas Tech – They'll let a lot go, especially there.
4: Our uh, resident pirate here on the Husker Sports Network is Matt Coatney. Coat, do you have like a pirate costume at home? You go hang out with Mike Leach and you know, write write your own books on theory and astronomy and all that other stuff? Arr,
0: maybe. <laughs> you know, I've got the hat for it from my US Navy days. I don't know if the uniform <laughs> my pirate uniform is gonna fit anymore. It's uh, that was a few hours ago. What if a- what an interesting day though. <laughs> the SEC has turned into into uh, a reality TV sitcom now. They going to turn uh, the SEC channel into MTV South probably. Oh my goodness, yeah. How, oh my You're goodness.
4: not kidding. It's 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 quite the spectacle and as Greg said, it's going to be really fun to watch this thing <laughs> unfold. Well, you got a battle in front of you, Matt Cotney, who's going to be on the call here in about 45 minutes or so pregame beginning here in about a half hour. Uh, what's the feeling heading to this one, Coat? Women's basketball really playing well right now. I have to imagine a pretty confident bunch going to hit the floor tonight.
0: Yeah, what a great time to follow Nebraska women's basketball been uh, with the record of 12 and 2 and you know just the feeling i get from fans is they all uh got to witness the win over minnesota a named team it was ranked 24th lindsey whalen arguably the greatest point guard in the history of women's basketball coaching the golden gophers uh, the good record for nebraska and uh some recognizable names for this team that have emerged leah brown has become a star of this team sam Hybe. Uh, having a great season. Uh, so you know the youngsters have grown up. Last year's freshmen who went through uh, a season in which they lost 10 out of 14 two-possession games, including to this Wisconsin team. Uh, Nebraska owes Wisconsin, one of the all-time gut checks I've ever seen. Last year, Nebraska tied at the Kohl Center, gets a layup from Nicaea Eliley with 0.7 seconds left. And in women's basketball, in the final minute, you can advance the ball after a dead ball with a timeout, and Wisconsin did it. They threw the ball in, and somehow in 0.7 seconds left, uh, they were able to get a shot up from the corner and hit a three to beat Nebraska. So uh, the Huskers certainly feel like they owe Wisconsin tonight. So uh, I think it's going to be a really, really good game.
4: Yeah, let's uh, – I mean, it's it, it's obviously that's going to stick in a player's mind for sure, especially for those young players that – you know, probably to that point hadn't had a, a game or a moment like that in their careers. Coach, we had a buy-sell question uh, relative yeah. to Nebraska women's basketball talking about bench scoring, and they blew – and you know how good Josh Ilkman is at, at pegging those lines. Oh, yeah. Blew it out of the water. That's so cool to sit and watch and, and to have that ability as, as a team for your bench to come and contribute. What's that been like to watch?
0: Well, you know, Amy Williams, this is part of your coaching philosophy and getting to know her now in her fourth year, Ben – She wants to play a lot of players, and she doesn't want them to just be out there running around. She wants them to produce, and if you are on that bench for Nebraska, you know you're going to play, and you know that you're expected to produce. It's a great thing as a player to know that you're going to get playing time in most situations. So uh, this is a bench that was kind of hurt when Taylor Kissinger went out for the year. Uh, with that hip surgery, but uh, it's still a very, very deep bench. It was aided when Trinity Brady came back after missing the first 10 games off the concussion. That was like unwrapping a a Christmas present you didn't know you were going to get she has been a great defensive player. So uh, there's not only bench depth, but there is quality talent on that bench. And you're right. It's been a lot of fun to watch.
4: When you look at the, the makeup of this team, you always need a mix of older players and younger players. But you talked a little bit about that group of freshmen from a year ago. How have they blended in in year two with a mix with maybe some of the more experienced players that have been around a while to to kind of forge this confidence that we're seeing come out on the floor?
0: You know, um, last year, those four freshmen who are now sophomores made up 90% of the bench. And so when they came in, you know, it was different. Now what you're seeing are players, you know, like Sam Hybe who has played 40 games, and uh, Kate Kane now is a junior who has uh, had 75 straight starts. Playing with a Hannah Whitey now as a four-year starter. Nicaea Eliley as a four-year starter as a senior. And there's not a lot of difference in the experience level, the trust level, the talent level from those four sophomores now to the junior class and the senior class. And it's been really something to see. This is going to be something through time now as these four sophomores become four juniors and then four seniors with the people who are coming up like Izzy Bourne who has been great off the bench as a freshman. I told you about Trinity Brady. We haven't seen a lot of Mackenzie Helms uh, at a point guard position, but they've, they're very, very high on her. So, yeah, it's been really something to see that that merging of, of that freshman that now is a sophomore class with these seniors.
4: Okay, Cope, before we cut you loose and get your last-minute preparations done for the yep. broadcast, let's talk about this matchup. You mentioned the, the, the matchup last year and the heartbreak that the Huskers felt. What do they have to do well tonight to win?
0: Well, they got a rebound, and this was uh, the reason Nebraska lost at Michigan State in their only conference loss. They had the lead by 10 in the second half, and they got out-rebounded by 19. Wisconsin is a very good rebounding team. Now, they don't do a lot of things better than anybody else. They do a lot of things well. Uh, They will rebound. They will turn you over. But they're going to create tempo. Wisconsin is going to slow the game down. And I really doubt this game gets into the 70s and 80s. I think this is going to be in the 40s and 50s. So Nebraska has to value possessions. They cannot turn the ball over. Wisconsin just turned Penn State over 17 times. They've got a freshman in this game, Sidney Hilliard, who had six steals in their last game. I don't think of Wisconsin as a team that gets a lot of steals, but uh, they have been doing that more as of late. But Nebraska has got to be able to control Imani Lewis, who uh, is... Uh, Just a double-double machine. Four straight double-doubles. She is averaging 14 points and nine rebounds. They have got to contain her. She's a little different, Ben. She's left-handed, so she gets the ball on the left block. And so you have to kind of play her a little differently and take away that left shoulder instead of that right shoulder like most posts.
4: Yeah, I'm sure the coaches have been doing a good job getting that scout in place and ready for that. Matt, thanks so much for joining us, man. It was great to hear you and to hear from you. We look forward to listening to you and Grish on the call. Have a great call, buddy. Hopefully come out with a win tonight.
0: All right, go Big Red. Thanks, Benny Mac.
4: Thanks, Coach. Matt Coatney with us here on Sports Nightly. Huskers getting ready to take on the Wisconsin Badgers in about Thirty minutes or so over at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Thanks to Matt very much for his uh, his time getting ready for a broadcast here as well. Nebraska eight one one says, "Go dig red before you dig. Always call or click eight one one to have your utility lines marked. It's free. It's easy. It's the law." We'll hear a conversation with Nebraska head softball coach Ronda
3: Ravel after the break. Back with you on a short Thursday night edition of Sports Nightly, getting ready for Husker women's basketball as they take on Wisconsin tonight, 6.45 pregame, 7 o'clock tip-off with Matt Cotney and Jeff Grish. I'm Nate Rohr along with Ben McLaughlin, and in the meantime, we'll shift the focus just a little bit as... Of course, basketball firing up right now, but also Huskers softball open practice today at Bowlin Stadium. And uh, I had a chance to chat with head softball coach Ron Ravel and I started the conversation by asking her, uh, this is probably the first time that you've been able to start with practice outside
5: on the first day. I think this is the first one in 28 years. <laughs> Truth. How sure. about that that is pretty awesome so you know we weren't able to take the tarp off because we've got some insulation underneath and we're also scheduled to get snow tomorrow potentially mm-hmm. but what we were able to do you know our, our hitters have been in the cages all winter so they don't know how where their ball is really flying so we got to see some ball flight we broke out some new balls and our outfielders got work in the live sky with with real dimensions how about that that
3: that, that is helpful picking the ball out of the air dealing with wind and everything else
5: yeah And sun. And And sun. sun. And sun, Nate.
3: Yeah, there was a little sun today, too, which in January is an upset. Well, we talked when you wrapped up Fall Ball in October, and you've not been able to work as directly with them over the last two or three months. Mm -hmm. Uh, What growth have you seen from them? What progress have you seen and also heard that these guys have made?
5: Well, even let's just start with how we ended out there. Um, There were more balls that flew out of the yard first time outside whether it's been later January or February than I can remember so whatever they're doing in the cages on their own is is transferring we we put some hop in a lot of balls out there the other thing that we really focused on today since school's not in session we've been able to kind of slow things down and but we're really focusing focusing on locking our fundamentals in so I just see it's like um, you know as even as we go through base running things we're not having to say it as much things are sticking so from the stuff that we went through in the fall we've maybe had to say it once today and on we go.
3: That's always good to be able to build right off what you were able to do during Fall Bowl. Uh, one thing that will be interesting with this team is how the infield fits together. This might be a new look infield for you. Uh, what have you seen from the infield? Have you been able to to start locking down some spots or is that a picture that's still in progress
5: right now? It's a picture that's still in progress, uh, but you're right. I mean we can see a, a lot of different position people in position. We can see people that like we're working for instance, Lexi Knibe, Peyton Hescroft, and Sam Owen some over at first. So, And right now, it's very, very competitive. I will tell you, Cam Yubara, looks like she's put pretty much a lock on uh, second base, especially with her offense that she adds to us. But we've got two deep going at every position and some three deep.
3: The shortstop position, of course, the last couple of years, you've used Tristan Edwards there, uh, who by trade was an outfielder how does the shortstop position look this year
5: it, again really good competition we've got sarah yokum who's played there her, her whole career she between there and second and then we've got brooke andrews who's uh, a freshman from gretna and she's you know got some really good talent nice hands just has a a game savvy about her that um know is real poised out there she loves defense <laughs>
3: Chatting with head softball coach Rhonda Ravel, Huskers open uh, the season in about a month, but open practice today. One other newcomer, especially on the infield, that might be a factor is Kiana Polo. What stands out about her?
5: Well, she's just, you know, nothing seems to rattle her. You know, you can put her in any game situation, offensively or defensively, and she just stays really even. And uh, her, so her competitive poise is already at a very high level as a freshman. And competitive poise, I think any coach would would pay a premium to have competitive poise. The other thing is her softball IQ is really high, and she's able to not only translate her soccer, what she knows about the game, but she's also physically able to execute it.
3: We talked quite a bit about the infield, and Tristan Edwards was your shortstop. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's out of that shortstop picture now, but of course, the most important bat in your lineup as she moves back to the outfield, do you think the reduced workload defensively could help her at the plate?
5: I know it's already helped her. I mean, you talk to Tristan, and she'll tell you it's helped her, if for no other reason, just emotionally, because she's playing a position that's almost second nature to her. So the energy, the mental energy it took to try to play a new position that was so vastly different. Than her old position, is now that all that most of that energy can go into her offensive game.
3: Of course, softball always starts in the circle, and uh, this team has the vast majority of its uh, pitching staff back. Uh, we'll start with Olivia Farrell. What have you seen from her as she's developed since last year?
5: Well, first of all, she's really strong. She's gotten herself in just. She's always been in good shape, and that's always been really important to her. But she is just. She's in fighting shape. She's ready to go. Um, the the thing that, you know, that Liv's really worked on is, I'll say tempering her game. And what I mean by that is, what what she has been challenged by is she wants. I mean, she her her want for pitching is so great that sometimes it almost made her tight Mm. so just understanding how you can how you can take that want and almost gear it down so your body can perform because she's trained she's ready to go nobody works harder nobody puts in more reps
3: and then you have two pitchers rising from freshmen to sophomores, and Lindsey Waljasper and Courtney Wallace. How have you seen them develop from the end of last year?
5: You know, they both struggled with uh, a pretty severe injury in, in and of itself that it kept them out of games this fall. But in each of their cases, I gotta tip my hat to both of them, rather than, of course they were disappointed that they couldn't play and that they weren't at full speed, but they took what they could do, and they worked on that. So, for instance, Lindsay broke her hand the first day of practice, her glove hand. And so she spent the most of the fall working on really her power game from exploding off the mound and, and working on that. So she worked on some really cool things Mm -hmm. Courtney has worked a lot on her off-speed pitch so they've they've all taken something and not let the not be distracted by the injury that they've had to deal with right Mm -hmm. and um and they're better and and you can't buy experience and last year's freshman they all got significant innings on the mound and they're just coming in as sophomores now
3: Uh, what's the biggest to-do that this team has heading into uh, that season opening weekend in Las Cruces
5: I think the biggest to-do is getting that victory wherever and whenever it comes, where it's tight at the end of the game. It could go either way, and you just stay the course, and you pull it out. Mm. Because I think the belief that comes in after you do that one time, it's so much easier to repeat. But the key, Nate, is staying the course, mentally and emotionally, not getting too high, not getting feeling like it's too far out of reach, but just staying in the moment and going chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And it's, we need a victory like that.
3: We're looking forward to one of those somewhere down the road. And uh, you guys will keep working toward that in the month you have before you start playing for real coach. Good luck. Thank you, Nick. First game for the Huskers is February the 6th. So less than a month. Huskers at Las Cruces, New Mexico taking on New Mexico state, part of a, five-game weekend for the Huskers down in the land of enchantment, including a matchup with Arkansas the last game down there. The Hogs were a regional team last year, and then after the ACC Big Ten Challenge, they take on really a murderer's row at the Mary Nutter Classic, always a very tough tournament in Cathedral City, California, Oklahoma, BYU, Cal, Washington, and Florida. So, yeah, that weekend's Uh, going to be quite challenging and then uh, they go to Missouri and play two with Mizzou two with Wichita State and that's the uh, first month of their schedule so they'll be challenged early no doubt about
4: it yeah and this team's faced so much adversity the last really six months and you gotta you gotta imagine Nate they just need this season to start to where they're just playing games
3: yeah yeah there was some discussion about ronda Ravel's uh, suspension and the investigation this summer but uh this team is moving past that and trying to move on from that and build a 2020 season that uh, uh that that's a good one and that gets this program back to regionals it's been three years and uh, certainly everybody connected with husker softball is hungry to get back in that ncaa bracket I always this time of
4: year, you're really the first of the year, but you know especially now, you know you get to the early stretches and mid stretches of January. I, I just get so anxious for the ball bat sports to get here. Number one, the weather turns, but after football, you're just you've got a hole yeah. and you're waiting for something else to start. And usually the holiday break is a good time to just kind of unwind and um, you know let everything kind of happen and settle. But you know you really start itching for something else. And for me, it's it's warm weather, it's travel, it's around a new team and. You know, it's a great feeling when these
3: when these ball-bass sports get started. Yeah, no doubt about it. Excited to get this thing going and excited to see how this team bounces back from a disappointing year last year and just excited to see the story unfold. This
4: year, uh, I mean, it's been so crazy. Well, really two, two years, you know, with Coach Frost coming in, obviously Coach Hoiberg now going through his first season, and Coach Will Bolt. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like I'm getting used to this whole new coach thing. You know, it's like, you know, breaking in a new style, breaking in a new everything else. And, Here we go. Let's just get ready to start another one.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's been a total reset on the men's side of the big three programs, and uh, we're all still adjusting and still settling in. Well, we somehow made it through a 35-minute show. Proud of us. I I am, too. This is a (laughs) crowning achievement in my broadcast career.
4: Well, go get some hot tea, rest that voice up, and hopefully you're feeling better, too. It's been been going around.
3: Yeah, and unfortunately, I've been carrying it for a while. I hope I haven't been patient zero for an outbreak.
4: Thanks for sitting in, man. Appreciate hey, it. Thanks for having me. Thanks to the help in the back. Big thanks to Matt Cotney. Thanks to Tim Curran and Austin Norman. Thanks to all of you for listening. We turn it over to Nebraska women's basketball, Huskers and Badgers over at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Matt Cotney, Jeff Grish on the call. We're back with you on Sports Nightly tomorrow at 6. Enjoy the game.